0: And that was the moment, unrecoverable event. Now your credit's ruined. You're never going to get anything you want. You're never going to be able to do anything you want. You're marked for life. You've been filtered into the bottom. And I felt like, okay, well, there's no way for me to get back up. I have no support. What am I going to do? And I just kind of gave up.
1: Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Why? Well, we've got more than one reason, but the main one to help more people in more places, hopefully, feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And whether you want to join us and talk on this podcast, Or just listen, there are a few other ways you can support us. You can rate and review Suicide Noted on the Apple podcast platform, if that is where you listen. And check the show notes for some other ways you can get involved or participate, including our membership, which includes a few cool perks. We could really use that kind of support. Our Suicide Attempt Survivor Circle on the app signal. We are also available for speaking engagements that can include an actual live podcast interview with somebody in a Q&A or a keynote presentation or some combination of the two. And as some of you know, I am very involved in the world of personal narrative storytelling. And I will post links in the show notes as well for those, including the Mental Health Happiest Shower, which is a really cool place to tell a story or listen to some stories that center on mental health. I think you get the point. Check the show notes. Now, we are talking about suicide on this podcast. As the title suggests, we do this every week. And we know it may not be a good fit for everybody, so please take that into account before you listen or as you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Jen. Jen lives in Pennsylvania, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Jen, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm okay.
1: How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Are you nervous? I
0: am very nervous,
1: yes. You are?
0: I'm just always like this.
1: Okay, no worries. Jen in Pennsylvania. All right, well, are you in a bedroom? Are you in a living room, Where are you?
0: I'm in a hotel. I live in a hotel.
1: (laughs) Ooh, this is where the conversation's gonna start. Is that okay? Sure. Let us start, Jen, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. For how long have you been living in a hotel?
0: Probably, like, last three weeks. Uh, Before that, I lived in the Walmart parking lot. So
1: were you homeless?
0: I don't really consider myself homeless. I just decided that I don't want to go back to living in a house. I work right up the street from this hotel. A lot happened in the last year.
1: Is that connected to an attempt? Uh, Yeah. And is that the only attempt that you have?
0: The only real attempt. I've I've ideated for a long time, a pretty long time, probably for the last five years. It wasn't like till 2020, honestly, that it really got bad.
1: Was that connected to COVID or is that a coincidence?
0: The world just got crazy. You know, I was already in a bad place. And then when everything kind of just started crumbling, like the world started crumbling, my life also started to crumble. Like it just felt like nothing was ever going to get better. At the same time, I spiraled a little bit down. But I didn't really spiral out of control until I lost my best friend. Uh, She couldn't deal with me anymore, basically. And then uh, we parted ways. And then after that, I lost my mind at that point (laughs) because she was my only friend. That is brutal it was really bad.
1: All right. So I'm guessing you're in your 20s.
0: Thank you. But no, I'm I'm almost 36.
1: You said five years ago, you started to ideate.
0: Well, basically what happened was I reached the age of 30. And I was like, I said in my email that I'm trans. So yeah, I I decided to transition around that time that I was like, well, you know, you can either live this life or you can kill yourself. Are you going to live the rest of your life miserable? You know, so I decided, well, There's only one choice I have to make, and I started to self-medicate on hormones. After about six months, I got started to get my hormones from Planned Parenthood, and then I was kind of on track, but I also met my best friend around that time. She had started to transition at the same time as me, so we became very close. I became closer than I guess she did. She was the first person I ever met that was like, wow, this person kind of gets me. This person can understand me we were friends for 2018 to 2022. Basically talked every day, almost every hour of every day. Like she became like my best friend in the whole world. She eventually, you know, her life started to get better. And then I felt like I wasn't really improving that much. I wasn't making any of the steps that I wanted to make. You know, the healthcare system in Canada is very different too. Uh, So she had Mm -hmm. support and I felt like I didn't have support. It was like, you know, you go to the the appointment, you pay the money, you get your your drugs, but you don't really get much else, right? Really.
1: Just to be clear, your your best friend is in Canada.
0: She was, yes, yeah. It was kind of like it was kind of like a death when when she oh. left.
1: And I don't mean to sort of pour salt on wounds here, but it, it was her decision to leave.
0: Yeah, I was ideating bad back then and it she couldn't deal with it. Like I think the last thing I said to her was like, I'm gonna perform surgery on myself. And then she was like, I've, I've had enough of you. I can't deal with you anymore. I was at the time just very wounded. She had just gotten like her actual surgery and I wasn't even close to getting it. So I had felt really bad about myself. Yeah. I guess I was too much and I destroyed the friendship.
1: That was last year. When was the actual attempt?
0: August, 2022. It was
1: 2021, July, 2021, that we stopped talking. So you go about a year and you try, I want to pause it for a moment. And I do want to come back to the attempt and ask you about that. If you're okay with that. Yeah. Obviously from what you shared at some point, I know you are starting to, in your life, you'll tell me when, if you want to, things aren't right. Yes. Um, and I imagine there were probably other challenges you're going through. You're a human being and um, life is hard.
0: Essentially, I was just, I just isolated myself around like the age of 12, completely withdrew from life. And I put myself on the internet and I lived on the internet. There were like online games and like, oh, well, I can be the person I want to be here. And I was that person probably till I was 30. It didn't ever feel real. It was always like, oh, I always felt like I was hiding something even there. And I never really connected with anyone ever. I never formed any connections. So like I was thinking about talking about this last night, like I always felt like I was in a bubble and the the world changed around me, but I never really changed. I stayed the same as I was from a child. Like I never really had those experiences where you formative experiences that help you grow up. Like I just kind of am still the same person I was when I was a teenager, honestly.
1: Yeah. Were you a gamer?
0: I was. I still am.
1: Yeah. Once a gamer, always a gamer, I imagine. So at 12 years old, you isolate. Are you like with the family, your family?
0: I lived with my father. My parents got divorced around the same time. My mom moved in with a boyfriend and then she sent us off to live with our father. He kind of wasn't around much. And when he was, he was drunk. So it was, we didn't have a good relationship. He hurt all of us. I have two brothers and he decided he wanted a different family at some point, And he just, just got rid of us out of his life.
1: How old were you when you were completely out of his life?
0: I was twenty one.
1: How do you get through life at that point? How do you feed yourself? Are you do you have an apartment? You know, what's that like?
0: After my dad, like he found out that day, like that he got rid of me. Well, first he 30 O2'd me because and he made things up, basically, because he sat there one night and he says to me, Like, you need to join the military because I don't want to take care of you anymore. And I told him I'd rather die than join the military and that Prompted him to send the police to my bedroom one night. And then I got hauled off to a hospital, which is a traumatizing experience.
1: Is that what 302 means in the state of Pennsylvania?
0: Yeah, it's like where they forcibly admit you, yes.
1: And how long were you there for?
0: About two weeks, a week or so. It was very traumatizing. I got out of the hospital right before my birthday, I believe. So, and he didn't want to take me back after that. They released me from the hospital and my grandmother took me and she lived down the street from us he opened up a journal that i had and said what is this because i had written in there like you know my true thoughts of um, on who i was and he was like mm. what is that and i said you know what it is and then he says well you're never coming back and that was the last time i ever saw him and yeah. then i lived with my grandmother after that for like seven years i ended up getting a job i worked at amazon for a while mm lost that job. I ended up working at another place, like a cold storage warehouse. I made pretty good money. That was like 2015. I was around the time, like I figured like, okay, I have enough money now that I can take care of this problem. That's when I started to like, look into like, how can I fix this? Like found out that you can get the pills that you need. By the time my insurance wouldn't have covered it. They had an exclusion policy for uh, anything related to being trans. So I had to go through other means. I remember it was a pretty exciting day for me. And that was when my life changed. It got better in some ways and worse in others.
1: 2015.
0: 2018 is when I officially started.
1: Which is also um, the time around the time you started ideating. Yes. You say get better and worse. What do you mean?
0: Well, I'm a lot more comfortable with my body now, I'm happier with myself. I still do hate myself in a lot of ways. Things got better. Like I was I had a pretty good life. I used to go to like an amusement park every weekend, movies every weekend. I just felt, like I said, I felt disconnected from everyone. So, and it was only that one person that I had and she lived in another country. So I always felt, you know, alone, I guess. Looking back on it now, it's was like my life was not so bad back then and it was, it was manageable. But once I started a spiral, it was, you know, it took a turn for the worse and I couldn't really turn it around myself.
1: Right. Do you know what happened that, and this is a really tricky question. Why did you start to ideate?
0: Once I had that thought in my mind, like you can die or you can keep going. I guess at some point I thought, okay, well, that's always an option now. If anything goes bad, there's your exit strategy. Like you're, you can get out at some point. Like I started to feel a lot of emotional, like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like emotional pain around twenty twenty one it was so much pain, and I couldn't show it to anyone. I couldn't describe it. It wasn't a real illness. It was just like there was this pain inside me. It felt like my chest was always like in pain. like I always felt like I was just being crushed. I didn't know how to express it. so I started to like cut myself. I was crying out for help, honestly.
1: Yeah. It's it's interesting that you said it wasn't a real illness. And I don't know if it was or wasn't. Maybe it depends on <laughs> how we're defining the word, word illness.
0: What I mean is like, it wasn't a physical ailment that I could show to people or, or prove. You know, I went to a therapist for a little bit. And even like, they don't like just like, oh, look at you and say, oh, well, yeah, obviously you have this.
1: Right. Like yesterday, I, I was playing pickleball and I hurt my back and I couldn't walk for a little bit. Like, so if you're seeing me, you're like, that dude's in pain. He can't Mm -hmm. walk. There's no, there's nothing else to really talk about. They just, it's clear. No one's doubting me. But with this stuff.
0: Yeah, no one can see it. So like, what do you do? How do you tell people like, oh, this is, you know, I'm in a lot of pain, especially when there is no help. At some point I realized there actually isn't any help. Like I tried, I actually admitted myself at one point as I started to spiral after Marin left. I just completely lost control. And I went and saw a therapist after that. Well, Maren told me to see a therapist. And then while I was seeing the therapist, Maren exited my life. All therapy became about was that. And then I stopped going to therapy because it was $200 a session. And I could Mm -hmm. only do five. Even within $200 a session, she said, well, you should try to make friends. So then my whole goal was like, all right, I'm going to go make friends. So I, I started to drive around like the whole Northeast of the United States trying to make friends that I could relate to, because I couldn't really, there's no one in my area. And I felt, yeah. You know, I, I went on an app and I just started driving, meeting people. And that became my obsession, was to make friends.
1: Wow, so are you in a sort of rural area?
0: I, yeah, I live in like the Northeast Pennsylvania. There's not much here.
1: What does that mean? I don't quite understand driving around, trying to make friends.
0: I went on an app, it was kind of like a dating app, but I wasn't using it to date, I was using it to make friends.
1: And did it work?
0: It did, um, kind of. I mean, only one of the people that I met is still around and they've helped me out a lot.
1: Do you know what, up until 2022, you were ideating a lot and you were spiraling, what prevented you from trying to end your life?
0: My friends was basically like, it was a rug pull when she left. And then I also had my cats Mm. and they are why I'm not dead now, honestly, but they're gone.
1: You lose your friend in 2021. And about a year later,
0: things got really bad. I stopped working at some point. I had made a bunch of money on the cryptocurrency. Really? Yeah. I made like 10 grand overnight. I was, I got really into it. I was very proud of myself. I was very (laughs) smug about it.
1: (laughs) That's very common. I'm sure.
0: And then I got, I got what I deserved, I guess. I lost it all overnight around January of 2022.
1: Almost always, if you make money very easily, you can lose money very easily. No one's that smart. Sorry.
0: Yep. I felt like I was the smartest person in the world. I went and had fun with it. Mm -hmm. I tried to learn code. That was my goal. Like I lost my job for some stupid reason. It's not worth talking about. And anyway, at that point, I was like, well, I still have, I still do food delivery because I was doing food deliveries combined with my job. Plus, I have all this money. I'm not going to apply for unemployment. Why would I do that? I felt like I was doing the right thing doing the right thing is not always the best thing. I would have applied for employment, I didn't. And then all the money disappeared. Like I kind of got stunlocked at that point. Like I felt like, well, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. I went to my mother who was terrible to go to. She's like, I don't want to deal with you. Uh, she's ended up being the reason that I ended up in the situation that I was in that day. But I tried to, to end it. But yeah, I quit my job, lost all the money. I had some left, but not enough. I thought, okay, well... I'm paying, I've been paying my car, you know, I've been paying more than the amount needed going without it for a month or two and be the biggest deal because I have a buffer. The bank didn't see it that way. And they recode my car. And that was the moment that was it. It was it because that felt like to me, like unrecoverable event. Now your credit's ruined. You're never going to get anything you want. You're never going to be able to do anything you want. You're marked for life and you've been filtered into the bottom. And I felt like, okay, well, there's no way for me to get back up. Mm-hmm. I'm all alone. I have no support. What am I going to do? And I just kind of gave up.
1: So now like those thoughts that you used to have were like, there's an out. It's there if I want it.
0: If I can't fix this, then I'll just try to survive the best I can. And once I can't anymore, you know, that that's when you end yourself.
1: When that happened.
0: Right. And that happened because a couple months after the car gets taken, I had I had admitted myself because of the car. When the car got taken, I told the, the person that came to take it, like, well, I'm just going to kill myself if you take my car. So mm. please show me. But okay, I'll go to the hospital. I thought maybe at that point, like, okay, these people maybe will help me. You sit in a room for a few days with a the TV. They say, hey, do you want an anti And then they send you home. Crisis intervention is just that. They intervene the crisis. And then you're on your own after that. There's no support after. There's no nets like, oh, here, we'll lift you out of this. We'll help you out. Because I didn't have to end up this way. Like like I said, I had a good job. I supported myself for a long time. I had a cat for 11 years. I took care of her. I did my best to play the game. I lost. And then In June, like a couple of days before my birthday, actually it was a week before that, my mother, when I told her like, mom, I'm running out of money. I don't know what to do. My power's about to get shut off. I sent her an email. I said like, I might not even be able to contact you again because I had no phone service anymore. My internet was still on, but my power's about to get cut off. You know, I'm like in this situation, like, oh, everything's getting really bad. I sent a message to her and she takes it as, at this time, I really was not planning on killing myself. I had the ideation, but I, I really just wanted to out, get out of the situation. And she sends the police to my house and I ignore them because I'm i am like, I already know what this is. I'm not doing this. We're not going back there to sit in a room for four days. We're not doing that. It's not helpful. I needed actual help. I needed my mom to like come in and say, hey, yeah. I'm going to help you figure this out. It wasn't happening. So she sends the police. Police leave. After I ignore them, they come back with my mother. Uh, They break into my house. After I told her, like, I don't want to talk to her because she bought the police. Totally fine. I was just hanging out in my house. They broke in. Come up and corner me in my kitchen. I go to walk towards my cats because I know what's about to happen. I'm like, I want to go see my cats before the problem. I get thrown to the ground. And at that point, like, they ripped open my face. I was uncooperative. Pulls out a taser. He tases me two times. There's two... Large armed men in my house in the dark tasing me all because I'm depressed and in a bad financial spot as if I'm like this hardened criminal and that was like extremely traumatizing. I'm scared every time like there's a knock on the door now.
1: I I don't understand how they have
0: that's the law. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm just very confused by is how the law allows that to happen. That's very puzzling to me. Beyond puzzling, it's not the right word, but it's like what I can't wrap my head around that.
0: I should dial back a little bit two three weeks before that one of my cats dies like in my arms I'm literally trying to give her CPR and she just died just like that so I'm mourning at that point like I'm this is this is a huge huge deal for me because all I had was my cats you know I also told my mom that and she just yelled at me like you still have two cats like get it together go out there and buckle up take on the world like that was gonna happen
1: that's all you needed to hear to make, that was the difference.
0: I wanted her to actually like come in and like help me. I needed like literal support. I needed someone to, to do some of the work for me. And yeah. she took it. Up. You don't want to do any work. You either do the work or you, you keep falling. I couldn't, I couldn't snap out of it. I couldn't just underpress myself. Like I was extremely sad. Then the police come in, they do what they did. And then they, as I'm sitting in the car being taken to the hospital, they said, we're going to send a code officer to your house too. Your mom requested it because your house is messy. So they send a code officer to my house, take pictures like, oh, look, you didn't move for a couple of days and you have pizza boxes on the side of your bed. Like, yeah, I was just basically laying in bed, crying and eating. That was my life for that <laughs> span of time. So then they say, well, you know, we have all these pictures. You had a dead cat. I didn't have a dead cat. She was wasn't in the house. So I come home to an eviction notice. (laughs) That's what I came home to after getting out of the hospital. It was a notice to quit. On my birthday, I walked out to an eviction notice on the door. My mom lives like 15 minutes from me. And I walked to her house on my birthday. I knocked on her door. She looked at the little peephole and then she didn't answer. I went and sat on the chair next to her door. I started crying. And at that point, like I just decided to reach out to my brother who lives in Vermont. And I hadn't talked to him before this, but I call him up and he's like, yeah, we'll be there in like 10 minutes. I'm like, what do you mean you'll be there in 10 minutes? He said, just sit there. We'll be there in like 10 minutes. He said like he was coming into town for a concert. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll see you in 10 minutes. He ends up showing up and my mom still wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't let me in the house because she thought like I was going to attack her because of what she did to me. And I'm like, mom never attacked anybody in my life. Why would I attack you? I'm angry at you. why why won't you help me? And she just kept asking what do you want me to do? Help me? My brother's uh, fiance talked her into letting me come in and eat. And I came in and ate. And then my mom kind of encouraged her to take me back home. She went and took me to the store and got me a bunch of food. That helped me survive for a while after that.
1: Wait, where were you living?
0: I was still at my house. I hadn't been evicted yet. The reason I ended up committing suicide was the final day of that when no one would help me and I was about to live on the streets and that's when I decided well I'm not gonna go live on the street I'm gonna die with my dignity in my own house and that was my mentality about it I had tried multiple times before in that month like tried to hang myself but I couldn't go through with that
1: okay like very near attempts
0: almost like Messed up and did it once, like tied a vacuum cord to the fan. But like every time I tried, like my cats were staring at me. So it was like, do this. Um, The final day I, I came up with this plan, like, okay, well, I have an idea. I'm going to fill my house with smoke and I'm going to go to sleep. And it' not a good decision.
1: What happened?
0: I ended up sending out a message, but it was supposed to be on a delay, but it didn't go on a delay. So cops show up again. If they were brutal before, they're even more brutal now. They think, like, I'm setting my house on fire, but that wasn't a plan at all. It was literally just a plastic bag that I melted on the stove. They break in. They send me to a hospital again at that point. And that's when I kind of lost everything. I lost my cats, my house. I go to the hospital. I stayed there for 30 days because I had nowhere to go. My mom would not allow me to go live with her, even though she lived 15 minutes away. She wouldn't go me my things. So all my things stayed in the house for 30 days. Uh, my clothes got soaked outside because I had put them in a box outside. She wouldn't even go do that. Could have went and did it, didn't. No one was there. No one would go get my cuts. No one would do any of that. So they got taken. Eventually, they kicked me out of the hospital because my insurance wouldn't pay anymore. And I was only staying there because I had nowhere else to go. So I was yeah. just like, right. I even talked to my mom at a couple of points and they were like, you know, what do you want her to do? She wanted me to go to a homeless shelter. I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm a very proud person that holds me back from some things. I won't, I won't ever go to that point.
1: What happened when you got out?
0: I ended up meeting someone in there and then I went and stayed with her in a pool shed at her parents' house until they kicked us out because she was on drugs. That was a terrible situation. And then that day, my friend that I had met on my adventure a year prior, I just kind of reached out to him. We had been hanging out a couple of times while I was living in that pool shed. We went to the movies. I said, listen, um, I'm really scared. Like some guy was walking around with me. I was in this middle of this city that I wasn't familiar with, wandering around for like a day. Came from New Jersey to pick me up and take me to his house. Kind of lifted me out of the situation, which is what I needed the whole time, was just like support. You know, I'll help you get to work and I'll help you do these things. And he did. I have a good job now and I chill at this hotel. My, my new plan is that I don't ever want to live in a house again because I want to travel. So my plan is to do like the van life thing. But my car broke down a month ago after I came back from Montreal, which is I was pretty happy the last couple months.
1: The person who helped you out from Jersey, you went and lived in Jersey for a while?
0: No, he was in New Jersey for a disc golf thing lived here. He just moved to Florida. He just bought a house in Florida and we parted ways at that point. He just took me in and gave me the support that I needed. I got a job. make pretty good money enough that I can pay $500 a week to live in a hotel.
1: $500 a week.
0: Until he comes back and he's going to give me his van since my car broke down. So he's still helping me out now, but that's what I needed the whole time. Support. I get so frustrated because I know when I went to that hospital the first time, they gave me a $6,000 bill to sit in prayer for 12 hours got to sit in a recliner for 12 hours That six grand could have gone to like actually helping me actually giving me the support that I needed instead of just going like exchanging hands like I don't understand how it's like that don't let me keep falling I went there three times before I ended up trying to kill myself trying to get help and all they would offer me was oh would you like an antidepressant I was like no Because that's not going to fix the circumstances. Like the circumstances are what making me feel this way. Like I'm happy when things are okay. When everything's crumbling around me, how else am I going to feel? So I just, I got so frustrated with everything. And all that lack of support just drove me to like think like, wow, the world. Plus I watched the world kind of descend into like complete madness in the last two years. So I just really didn't have a lot of faith in humanity. I still kind of don't. I'm becoming quite the anti-capitalist. <laughs> I would love to change the world. I really would love to do something with my life, but I still feel kind of just like a shell, I'm an observer. I, I watch everybody do everything and I don't really interact with people.
1: So. What do you do when you're not working and you're in that hotel room?
0: So I've been playing video games. I've been reverting back to that.
1: Got it. So that was the attempt. You go back to the hospital. Your friend helps out. Got a job staying at the hotel. What tempts you to or compels you to try to find stuff like a a podcast on suicide?
0: I have like an obsession. I just like hearing stories from people that have been through the things that I've been through. Like I've listened to some of your podcasts and people feel the same way I do, like about the systems. And I think it needs to be spoken more. I love what you do because where else do you hear this at? Where else are you going to find people actually like talking about this from their own experience? Mm. You don't hear that much. You hear the, oh, call nine eighty eight get the crisis outline, like it's going to help. It's going to fix everything. It doesn't. Unfortunately, it's not the solution. And I think we need better solutions. And I think listening to people like me and and all the other people we've had on, you know, people should be, I hope people are listening that can help change that. I hope someday it'll get better where we'll actually support people, prevent them from getting to their lowest point, instead of just letting them fall to their lowest point and then Hoping that they they dig themselves back up. Yeah, it's it's really hard to do that alone.
1: I don't even think it's possible.
0: Uh, we're a cooperative species, but we don't cooperate anymore. Any
1: it seems that we really reward winners and competitiveness.
0: From the day you're you're born, are you talking first? Are you walking? You know, yeah. before your peers, are you? doing better than your peers in school. It's all competition.
1: A lot of it is, right. You made the team. That person didn't make the team. The grade system, a lot of it. Yeah, it's trick- Oof.
0: I had good grades and I still, you know, I still fell through the cracks. We don't do nuance. We just do like, there's two ways to be and you're either that way or you're not that way. And uh, I i went and saw a movie last night that got me like really amped up. Like, oh, I want to fight, fight the systems. I went and saw the Spider-Man movie. I would love to help fix this world, but was hoping that maybe if I reached out and talked to you, my story would get heard and put my story out there. could be helpful, hopefully.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Do you still think about ending your life?
0: Oh yeah, all the time. I'm sitting in front of you. I have pictures of my cats strewn across the countertop here. Like I miss them a lot and I'm lonely, especially right now Like or before, before my friend was about to come up and give me his van like I kind of felt hopeless because I had just bought this car for like $2,300 a couple months ago and it breaks down on me it's like I can't get catch a break I can't catch a break at all I, like I still have that in the back of my mind like if you're about to lose all your dignity you might as well die first probably not the best way to think about things but I'm never gonna like just become someone that begs on the street like I'm too proud for that call it egotistical or whatever you want to call it it's just I'm, i take care of myself i'm i'm very i've always had to so i always do like i don't ask for help often and when i do i've gotten scorned so it's me against the world at this point and if i can't i can't do it then i still have that option i know better ways now and but if i had to i could i could do it pretty easily i basically know every way to kill yourself
1: you've researched ways that would be presumably effective and hopefully painless. Yeah.
0: I don't ever want to die brutally or violently. That's why my attempt was the way it was. I thought it would be the most peaceful option at the time. And it was all I had access to. I have to catch myself. Uh, so my friend who, who catches me sometimes He's a really good friend. He did a lot to help me. And yeah, there's still some good people in this world. Unfortunately, not enough.
1: Does anyone know we're talking?
0: Uh, he does, but like, I, I don't really have anybody. So it's not like I'm telling the world.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people will hear it. So you are telling people, but you don't know them. not like a friend.
0: Right.
1: Did you, when you went to the, whether it was the hospital or a therapist, did you ever get a diagnosis? And if you did, do you agree with it?
0: The first time I went to a hospital, they said I had acute depression. The last time I went to the hospital, they said I have major depressive disorder. I still see it yeah. as a circumstantial thing. Like my life has been kind of garbage. So I'm not reacting in, in an irrational way. I feel right. like my feelings are pretty valid. <laughs>
1: Right. Put almost anybody in those circumstances and they'll probably feel similarly.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've been happy. Like I went to Montreal a month ago. I was in Montreal. I was so happy. I thought it was so cool. That's why I want to travel because like the only thing that kind of gets me in that mood now is like going out and taking pictures and traveling and experiencing things. And I if, if I'm gonna live life, I'm gonna live.
1: That's the thing that helps more than anything else.
0: Yeah, that's why I decided like I can't just go back to renting. I can't just sustain anymore. I'm gonna live in that car and I'm gonna travel the, the world, hopefully. I'm gonna experience as much as life as I can and enjoy what's left of the world before it's all gone. The world still looks pretty bleak to me. Like I'm public enemy number one right now. So
1: Yeah, it's dangerous, <laughs> it's to, right?
0: It's hard to be trans in America. And I never had really a bad experience, unfortunately, or fortunately, me transitioning was when I started getting treated better. Yeah, I never really dealt with much of that, but I still worry that. You know there's going to be a day where I can't get my medication if, you know, they get their way and turn off support for everyone that's trans, like, you know, it's gonna suck. It's it's scary, it's a scary time. Yeah. i supposed to feel stable in a in an unstable world. I don't know, is it crazy though to just want to check out when before before, you know, the bombs go off.
1: Do you ever wish that I guess we could go back to last year that it worked somehow when you died?
0: I feel like I did die that day, honestly. In a way, like that person died. Yeah, I, I wish it would have fully worked mm. and I would have to keep struggling and, and pushing upstream. You know, there there have been moments in the past year that made me happy that I'm still here. There's still experiences to be had. And that's what keeps me wanting to keep going.
1: Yeah. Are there any um, myths that you want to talk about?
0: I don't think that people try to commit suicide because they want to hurt people. I think it's because they're hurting friend said to me one time, like, do you ever think like about everyone else? And I'm like, in that moment, like I was only thinking about, you can call it selfish, but I was only thinking about ending that pain.
1: Well, when I think about what happened to me yesterday, like, said I hurt my back. I was thinking about my back. Are some people different than that? Maybe. But when you have this piercing pain and you can't walk for a little while, yeah, that's the only thing on my mind.
0: It's so overwhelming that it's all that you can think about. It's all you.
1: Right. But how do you um, communicate that to somebody who doesn't get it?
0: Right. Or doesn't want to get it. They don't want to be bothered by it. Like my mother could have helped me and she didn't want the burden of it. So she just, she pawned me off in the police, which made everything worse. I think one of the, the greatest myths is that you can help someone by calling the cops on them. We really need to look at like the systems that we've built instead of just like preventing that moment from happening, providing. The moments afterwards too.
1: That's a much much bigger uh, task. I agree. Wonder how your mom might feel if you attempt again and succeed.
0: Uh, She said it would hurt her, but I haven't talked to her since since the hospital.
1: Did anybody in your family reach out in the last year or so?
0: When I went up to Montreal, I also went up to visit my brother. He lives in Vermont. I like visiting my brother. We went through a lot of trauma in our childhood. He's starting to have panic attacks. It's something that I experienced very young. Because of what happened to us, like, you know, our father abandoned us. That's a lot. A lot.
1: Yeah, it catches up.
0: Yeah, he's starting to to deal with it now. I hate that that's happening to him. kind of wanted to take all of it on myself. I didn't want my brothers to really have to go through the same things that I did. And they're doing well comparatively. My other brother lives around here. I'm not really close with my family per se, but I've been getting closer with my brother in Vermont as I've been going up there. So I do plan to go to Vermont again within the next couple weeks. I'm going to rent a car and drive up there. As long as I keep giving myself things to look forward to, I hopefully keep moving forward.
1: When you're talking, whether it's with a brother or maybe the friend in Florida, do you ever have conversations, not like we're having necessarily, but talking about this stuff more than something quick and casual?
0: Not as as much. The friend in Florida, he, he goes through a lot of stuff too. That's kind of why we bonded. Because of what happened with my previous friend, because I would put so much on her, I try not to anymore to talk about it. I don't want to lose people anymore. It's a lot for people to deal with. And I understand that. Sometimes you don't have the power to help a person. Like Sometimes you can't make their life better.
1: I, I won't push back, but I will say sometimes the very act of, of listening and being there for somebody, no, is that going to help you Like pay your rent tomorrow? No, I believe strongly that that helps. Because that's, if that's all you can do, then you can do that.
0: I agree. Having my friends before, like, you know, I leaned on her a lot. You know, it was very helpful. Because like, I never, like, completely fell apart. And it was when she kind of rug pulled. That's when I felt like a, like a Jenga puzzle. I basically crumbled because I had no one to lean on anymore. I had no one to talk about it with. It was just, I was in my head all the time. I'm just fighting with myself all the time. Like, that's not helpful either if you don't express it, like. I don't know what you do in that situation. Like you put it on a therapist, but then when I was doing the therapist, it felt fake because like they're only really listening to me because I'm paying them a ton of money. (laughs) Right. When you have a friend, like it's like, oh yeah, this person actually cares about me. Like I care about this person. It's just it's more personal. And sometimes you need that. Take care of the people that you have around you. And and if they're feeling low, be there to lift them up because you could be the person that stands in the way. Well, that's that's a lot to put on someone too. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question.
1: Not all questions have answers.
0: Right.
1: Or easy answers, certainly. Right. So you think you'll make it to 40?
0: I don't know if I want to get that old, but. Not
1: that that far away, Jen.
0: I know. Unfortunately, like I'm not, I'm not uh, happy about getting older, but uh, we'll see. I don't know, honestly.
1: Hmm. What else would you like to, to share?
0: I I feel like I've exhausted what I can say. I'm tired.
1: Gotcha. I really appreciate you talking you said earlier you were nervous but it seems like you were able to articulate things clearly
0: yeah i warmed up i have anxiety so i'm always kind of nervous i'm glad that you're getting people to talk so
1: me too me too. look
0: forward to listening some more
1: so yeah actually someone just messaged me saying where's the where's the episode this morning i don't see it and it and i fucked up and now i have to fix it all good all right jen listen i hope um well i don't know i don't know hope you're okay and I appreciate you uh, sharing. Yep, I appreciate
0: you doing this podcast. So. Thank, Thank you.
1: you. You're very, very welcome. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I hope your day's okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Jen up in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Jen. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com, on Facebook or Twitter, at Suicide Noted. And, of course, a friendly reminder, rate and review this podcast if you listen on Apple. There's also a new feature on Spotify. I'm not that familiar with it yet. You can leave some comments on each of the podcast episodes. So check that out if you listen on Spotify. And check the show notes for all kinds of other ways you can get involved, including our membership. However you're involved or participate, we really appreciate it. So thank you. And that is all for episode number 172. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.